Hey guys, before we get started, don't forget to subscribe, click on that notification bell, share. You could also follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Now, today on the Angel of Words podcast, we will be discussing autism with a mother of an autistic child, Miss Catherine Burgos, on deck on the Angel of Words podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Angel of Words podcast. And today is a very important podcast because we will be discussing the Handicapped Children's Act of 1975 and the effects of its remnants in today's society. And to talk about this, we will be speaking to Miss Catherine Burgos, mother of an autistic child. Miss Burgos, thank you for joining us today on the Angel of Words podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. Glad to be here. Thank you. Well, Ms. Burgos, you know, you, you are a mother of an autistic child, and I know that that's not an easy burden to carry. And uh, with the coronavirus and, and kids seemingly having to go back, things opening up, you already being shut down because you're from New York. You've already been shut down since, you know, basically early March. You know, first of all, could you take us through what it was like uh, dealing with that situation? Um, it's been extremely hard. Um, everything just, you know, just happened out of the night. Just the changes just randomly, you know, unexpectedly happened. So, and it's been hard, because, especially for me, because I don't have like a lot of help. I've been, I'm mostly me hands on. Like I'm, I'm a single parent. So I'm 24 seven around the clock already, you know, having to do everything. And then now with the pandemic kicking in, it's like, now it's like extra like hard I have to take them everywhere with me to get things done it's just really hard I don't really have help to get you know things done as I have to take them everywhere with me now did you have did you have therapists coming to the to the home uh during the pandemic was it something that you had to do via zoom uh you know in terms of like helping him helping him out well he was getting his therapies in school so now all the therapy sessions are being done through video Oh, everything's being done through video, and you obviously have to be there. And it's—I it's, it, could imagine it's kind of challenging because you know it's really—you know—I mean, you're not a therapist yourself, so you really have to like really, you know, go above and beyond now to to make sure that your child is getting the uh, the the proper care that he needs. And how long has he been receiving this care for? Um, he's ever since he's been diagnosed since about the age of two. Okay, the age of two. Now, could you discuss like that evaluation process? Because I know it must be difficult as a mother when you realize that your child may have a problem. Could you take us there? Like when you first started finding out that this is something that you may have to, you know, that you had to have to deal with in, in order to get them a quality form of education? Um, where everything started at first, like I noticed that uh, at six months, he had like about six to eight words in his vocabulary. And then with time, it started to decrease, and I started to notice that something wasn't right. You know, he went from talking to not saying nothing at all. Then he was mm -hmm. stand, trying to stand up in the crib, then he wouldn't try to stand. So he also had, you know, motor skill problems. So I brought the test to his doctor, and she suggested that I get him evaluated. And so I did. It. I did. And uh, then they told me, you know, he had autism, and I'm like, I, honestly, I didn't know what autism was. So I had to 
educate myself, but I didn't have time to like dwell in it. I felt like, okay, if that's what it is, that's what do we gotta do to move forward? What could I do to help him? I didn't have time to cry about it. I didn't have time to really, you know, or I didn't have time to be in denial. I knew that I needed to help him and I just said, what we gotta do to move forward? And I got him help and I've been getting him therapy ever since. Now, this help, does it come, uh, is it something that comes out of pocket expense? Do the insurances pay, are, are paying for this? Does it come out of like social security disability? Like how does that situation work? Um, the, medic, the, medical, the medical insurance covers it. Okay, they do cover, and they cover all the therapies and you deal with different agencies, I would imagine. Okay. Now, are the agencies, uh, uh, you know, do you tr have trust in these agencies? Do you feel like they've been doing a good job thus far? I mean, I've had, like, at first in the beginning when he was younger, I've had therapists come in that were no good, and I would just know, and I'll get rid of them, and I said, listen, this is not working to me. Send me somebody else. So I knew when people were there to genuinely be of help and care for him, and I knew when people were there just to do their time and make their money and go. So, you know, I've had people that were no good in that, and I got rid of them, and then I had people that were good that, you know, I, you know, really thankful to them. Now, that's a big issue because, you know, there's 6.5 million kids in America that have some kind of issue and, you know, are considered to be, uh, you know, disabled in some way, shape or form. You know, there's 11, uh, if I'm not mistaken, there's $11.5 billion that are spent, uh, you know, for these kids. Uh, the, the money apparently hasn't been appropriated well. You know, not only that, there's been a lot of fraud. And because of that fraud, the federal government likes to be frugal with, 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 with this money because they feel like, hey, man, people aren't, either aren't taking advantage or some people are taking advantage of the situation. And this is very important. This is something that is not a joke because if your child doesn't develop as well as they can, then they're going to have issues moving forward as they become an adult and as the parent gets older. So, you know, how does that make you feel as a parent when people take on these jobs as therapists and don't, you know, and don't do it for, with good intentions? Um, I think that is very hurtful. I think that I don't understand why you would take on that type of job description. If you're not genuinely there for the right reasons, I feel like they should be doing something else. And it, it hurts as a parent because you're already going through it. So you want to have somebody that cares. You want someone that walks through the door and they say, listen, I'm here for you. Because we're already going, it's already hard for people like me. You know, we have it hard as it is. And then we have to have people that walk through the door and generally are not there for the right reasons. It's hurtful. Now, when it comes to like these agencies, I mean, uh, do you feel like some of them are implicit in, in that kind of situation? Or do they give you a hard time when you say you want to change a, th a therapist? Um, no, usually, you know, they don't, you know, I give them the reason. And if I'm not okay with it, I'm not okay with it. And yeah. they just they change it. Sometimes they'll tell me, listen, it's going to take us a while. I said, whatever time it's going to take, just make it right. That's all I want. So sometimes they'll just, that's their way of trying to tell me, but you stay with this person or he's just not going to have the, therapy sessions for this amount of time and I said, listen, just make it right. I don't care, just make it right. If the person is not working, I don't want them there. Now, as, as a person of, of, of the, um, you know, Latino community, Ms. Burgos, you know, there's a stigma involved, you know, you know, I, 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 we're, we sometimes seem to be a little bit insensitive, like all oh, the, you know, the child's going to be okay, you know, uh, this, that, and the third, and, you know, and you know, as a mother, like, yo, there's something wrong, there's something wrong, but we may, we may want to hold 
you know, asking for help back because of the stigma and, you know, the, sometimes the feeling of embarrassment and pride. Did you feel a sense of that when you, when you were dealing with this, you know, in terms of, you know, your personal life with your family? Like, did I feel what exactly? Like, I don't know. Like, like did you feel like, you know, like a, a, a little bit ashamed to admit the problem? Um, never. I'm not really, a, no, not, not ashamed. I wouldn't say ashamed, no. Not at okay. all. Okay. Okay. So you stuck ahead on it. And there was no, your family members were supportive. There was no issues on that aspect. No, everybody's pretty understood. I mean, it, to me, it's, it's more, of, it's something else, more of the issue than, than accepting that. To me, it's like, I accept it. I just, I have problems coping with the staring and the, you know, when people don't understand, I kind of like still, you know, trying to get around that part. Now, what would you like to tell those people that don't understand? I just tell people, like, you know, just, you know, look it up and educate themselves a little bit before they judge people. Because now I see a lot of videos on the uh, YouTube and uh, all over the sites about, uh, you know, adults, when they make fun of adults and not knowing that that person can be autistic. But he's just a grown person or she's just a grown person and you're sitting there making fun of them thinking that, oh, they got mental issues. You don't, they don't think, they don't stop to think, oh, maybe they have some type of disability, you know, and then they quit to pull the camera out and start recording. I say, and that breaks my heart because I say, that could be my son one day. And if I see somebody treating my son like that, huh, not going to be good, you know? It's, it's, it's very sad. Very yeah, sad. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> I know it, and it, you know, it, it, you know, it, it's no laughing matter, but you know, it makes me sad the ignorance of people sometimes, especially with all the information that we have out there, and especially how far we've progressed. You know, you know, we from like. The, in the last 20 years, because, I mean, I remember growing up, special ed, uh, you know, special education, they would group everyone in that class. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you would have someone that was, you know, so, you know, dealing with Asperger's or, or who was severely autistic, you know, in a class with someone that just, you know, that just has problems with their speech. And there was really no no help for these children. You know, they were like they were like really cast off to the side. You know, they were very disenfranchised and, and downtrodden children. And, you know, I, I feel bad for, for, for I've always had like a, a special place in my heart, especially because, you know, I have family members that, that have dealt with that situation. And, you know, it's sad that we, you know, that we've have to, that we have as a society still have to educate each other to know that these things exist, you know? And it's like, what would you tell people in terms of like, when you're in a situation like that, to help with their sensitivity? I would just say, you know, like, if you don't understand or care to try to understand, at least don't do, like, the staring and, you know, don't be so quick to judge someone off the bat just by what you see. You never know what that person is going through. And it can happen to anybody. And just because they may not have someone in their family that, that's autistic or has any type of disability, you know, don't don't give you the right to go and look at someone else in that type of way. You know, when I was a kid, my mother always told me, don't stare, you know, don't stare at people. You look, you look away or whatever. You don't just, you know, just have a heart. Always be, always put yourself in that person's shoes and try to understand, you know, or at least, you know, don't stay out of the way. <laughs> like I like yeah. No, I understand. And there seems to be a lack of sensitivity in this culture. You know, people, you know, uh, I understand that. A lot of people nowadays feel like, oh, my God, I got to be politically correct on everything. But my thing is, like, we, we have to respect each other as human beings, you know? So how do you feel about the lack of respect that we seem to have for each other as human beings? I think it's 
very sad, very sad, very sad, especially with everything that's going on. It's just heartbreaking to think that we can't even take a moment to not think of ourselves. It's like everybody's looking in the mirror and, you know, people need to look in the mirror. That's totally the opposite. They need to look in the mirror and realize that, you know, just, you know, have a heart and just realize that anything could happen. You, need, you could be in that same predicament that you're judging that person or you're fighting or whatever the case may be. You could be in their shoes tomorrow. You don't know what tomorrow brings. So just be humble. Like in the day when we die, we all go into the same place. There's no VIP section for nobody. So why why all the animosity and all the stuff that's going on around the world? We all go into the same place. Nobody's better than nobody. Everybody makes mistakes. No, I agree with you 100%. Now, how do you feel about the government, though, trying to, you know, uh, take funds away from, from all these, uh, you know, children that act actually need it, you know? I think it's messed up and it's very sad. Very sad that they do things like that. It just doesn't make sense at all. Now, you know, they, they don't fund... The really, I feel like they, like they don't fund like the really important aspects of it because, you know, fifty six. I mean, fifty eight percent of it goes to speech language and impairment, speech learning disabilities. But you know, seven percent of the funding goes to autism. You know, eight percent goes to intellectual disability. You know, what would you tell like you know these these uh, policymakers and these legislators? about, you know, what a what a woman like you has to deal with on a daily basis and how important it is to make sure that these children have the correct amount of funding, especially in lower income, you know, situations. Um, I would say it'd be great if they did the right thing. You never know when you could end up having somebody in your family, your children's children, or somebody down the line could be in the same predicament I'm in to do the right thing. Have a heart and just do the right thing. Now, the people committing fraud, what would you tell them? Because they're stealing um, money. It's obvious. You know, they actually, uh, to be honest with you, the reality is that some schools use that situation to get more funding in their schools, you know, and then that, some, that money doesn't get allocated to the, to the places that it should be allocated to, the places that really need it. What would you tell those, those persons involved behind those, uh, you know, situations? I, I will. Hmm. I would just say that one day they're going to see the mistake that they made and all of that's going to come right back. What goes around comes around. That's going to come right back, and there's not going to be no good outcome from stealing and committing fraudery. Now, you know, and, and it's, it's important to say that, you know, you are also a person, you know, and full disclosure, uh, Catherine and I are cousins, and, I've, you know, I, I, she is one of the people in my life who I've admired since uh, a little kid because you have overcome cancer, and child, you know, child cancer. Was it leukemia? Uh, uh, what kind of cancer did you overcome, Ms. Uh, Ms. Burgos? It was um, Hodgkin's. Hodgkin's so, okay. okay. And, you know, and, you know, and I remember, you know, growing up, I'll be honest with you, uh, nobody thought that you were going to make it. You know, no. everybody was always worried. Everyone was always worried about you, you know, and... And the fact that you've been able to overcome and become such a strong woman and, and, and overcome that adversity, you know, you know, what was that like, you know, uh, you know, growing up as a child and the, 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 the hardship that you had to go through? Um, it was difficult. I missed out a lot of school. I was in the third grade at the time, so I had to repeat the third grade because I missed a lot of city white festivals and stuff. Um, when I went to school, I didn't have no hair, you know, 
kids would still ask me if I'm a boy or I'm a girl, even if they saw me with earrings on. And even if I was would wear pink or dress like a girl, they'll still, I guess, just to have something to say, they'll tell me if I'm a boy or I'm a girl. So I get made fun of at the time. It was a very difficult time. And um, as I grew up, I tried to bury that. I, I didn't feel comfortable talking about it for a very, very long time. And so one day I said, you know what, I shouldn't. I shouldn't be ashamed. I kind of like, I, I reached a point where I embraced it because I feel like it made me stronger. So I, I felt like, okay, now I feel comfortable posting a picture of me with no, without no hair and stuff like that. You know, something that I try to bury, now I feel comfortable enough to put it out there. Now, you know, I, w- was there ever a point where you were bullied in um, school? Not so much bullying. I guess it didn't, okay. it didn't go as far as like, you know, asking me if I'm a boy or girl, things like that, just staring. I didn't have any hair, but any like anything worse than that, not really. And you know, now as a woman, as you reflect on, on that situation, you know, what would you tell the old, the 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 the, the little you right now? Um, not to be scared. I was very very scared and shy. No, you know, it's, I don't know. It's a very sensitive topic. It's hard for me to, yeah. you know, really scared part. Yeah. <laughs> No, but, you know, we want to empower the people that may be dealing with this. And, you know, thank you so much for, for you know, for even answering the question. Because, you know, it's important, man. I feel like people, you know, there's a lack of care in this world that uh, should, needs to be stumped. You know, it needs to be stopped. And, that, you know, that's why I, I appreciate you telling us your story. And, you know, how, you know, your family, how strong were they, you know, during those times? Oh, very strong. My mom was always by my side. And they were really supportive. And my mom is my champ. She's, forget it. My mom was always there. She really helped me through the whole thing. Like, my mom is my, my, she's my rock. Now, as a teenager, as you start, you know, as you start, how long was the recovery process, first of all? Did you have Uh, any surgeries or anything of that nature? Surgeries, yes. I had, I had surgery about three times. They removed my, uh my tonsils and then they to do to put the kit for the chemotherapy they had it i had it done two times on one side and one on the other so i was in surgery for quite a few times now as the, as you recovered as you started becoming you know as you started be growing into your own you know did you notice a change within yourself you know in terms of like that that fighter's mentality um or developing it in the moment you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't think of those things. You just think, you know, you just try to survive another day. Every day, you just try to do the best you can. I, I guess I was just trying to survive. Yeah. Now, you know, and and I guess does it make it easier to relate to your son? You know, even though you know your, your kid is your kid, you're gonna love him regardless. But it's like, do, does that build like even more of an emotional connection, knowing that he's fighting just like you did when you was younger? Yeah, I feel like, you know, it's really like uh, like another challenge, pretty much. I overcame one thing, and now I'm overcoming another one, but I'm doing it with my son now. Now, how is he doing right now in terms of his progression? He's doing absolutely great. He's trying to talk now, and so, you know, he's making words out here and there. So his progress, oh, he's come a very, very long way, very long way. Now, did you did you end up uh, electing like a certain therapist? Do you have like a certain therapist you like to work with now, or or is this something that you're alternating back and forth? 
Um, he has what? a steady therapist from the school that he's doing that he works with uh, via video. Video. Oh, that's great. That's great. And then uh, when they come over to when they were coming over to the house, was it different people or the same person? No, actually, when the, uh, he was getting his therapy sessions in the school. So they after a certain age, oh, okay. after he aged out to the first day, uh, about three years old, he started getting all his services in school. Okay, and that's how it works, right? You age out at three, and then you have to look for different. Now, is it you looking for, like, or do you have to be hands-on and look for these services, or is something the agencies recommend another agency to? How does that work? Uh, no, it works now through the Board of Ed. So okay. now he's working with people in the school. And if I don't feel comfortable with a, with a certain therapist, then I can have him work with another therapist that the school provides. So now everything is done through the Board of Ed. Wow, wow. So it's a very intricate process, and they're, and they're hands-on. So how do you feel about the... Because the Board of Ed gets a lot of flack, not for nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, they get a lot of flack. And, you know, like, what's what? how do you feel about the Board of Ed? Could you give them an evaluation, if you will? Hmm. I mean, they try, but I don't I don't stand down, you know? I don't stand down. I just feel like I'll run with whatever I feel is best for my son. And they could either make it work, or I'm going to find another way to make it work for them. So that's just how it is. I just don't stand down. Okay, so you feel like the the Board of Education here in, in New York City has has a lot of has a lot more work to do when it comes mm-hmm. to like that form of education. Yeah, I feel like the help is very limited. What do you think they should do better? I think that they should offer more uh, better opportunities, more help for children with disabilities, especially. Um, you know, I understand that. The, I don't blame the teachers because he has excellent teachers that people that he's working with right now, they're so excellent. You know, they're really great people. However, you know, most of the, during this pandemic, I've been doing most of the work myself. I had to become a teacher overnight and it's been very hard. I feel like there's not enough support for children with disabilities and that's why they're not talking about it. In the news, all you hear about all the graduates, they can't walk down the aisle and all this other stuff. But where, what about the children with disabilities? What about the parents that have to become teachers and, and have other children or have jobs, they have to cook, they have to shop. What about us? You know, they don't talk about that because our help is very limited. So you feel like that's where the resources need to go, like to actually help the the the, mm-hmm. the, the parent, you know? Yeah. So, you know, how do you feel about people that say, oh, man, you know, you, you, um, you got to blame uh, people, the men, you know, especially who, you know, leave their who leave their children behind and, you know, aren't there to help help, you know, give that 50 the other 50 percent that's missing. Like, you know, how do you feel like that? You know, what do you feel about that situation? The people that blame them like, oh, doesn't matter how much help you're going to give them. They're always going to need it because they don't have two parents, you know, and the household is broken. Mm. I feel like I don't know, like you just I don't know. Personally, I had to I just, you know, put my shoes on and I I must do, and I just keep on going. Like you just, I just keep on going. Don't depend on people, and then just, I get the help that I can get, and if I can't get it, I'm doing it myself. That's just how I feel. You know, I just don't stop when it comes to my son. It's like I'm getting the best help that I can get for him, and if I have to do it myself, then I'll do it myself. Now, are there any like t- uh, parents unions and uh, or you know parents associations that actually you know meet meet together and, and try to bring this up to the teachers union and uh, and you know the, the educational boards? Yes, they have a P- parents or PPA meetings and stuff like that. They they do bring it up and they have parent support groups and they talk about all that stuff. All the topics. Mm-hmm. Now, do you feel like the parents are engaged? Or you you feel like there should be more engagement? 
Um, they're kind of engaged. I mean, it could be a bigger group, and but um, they're definitely our parents engaged. Yeah, no, because there's, you know, there's power in numbers and, you know, and that's a, you know, that's a, a politically, that's something that people always say, oh, well, I've, if there was such a big problem, why aren't there more people showing up? And I, I've, I honestly sometimes agree with them because if there is an issue and you feel passionate about it, you know, I feel like you, if you can't go yourself, send a representative, make it open to, for people to send representatives, like how we send representatives to represent us in, in politics. We should be able, you know, if you can't make it as a parent because you're overwhelmed with what it is you're doing, you should be able to send a representative to get you information, to, to speak your voice because, and I feel like it's exclusive. Like they don't, they don't, I don't feel like they don't, they don't allow that unless it's like your child is in there. They really don't, they're not really open to that idea. Right, I agree. That's exactly how it is. Mm-hmm. And you, do you think that would be helpful if, if people would like be able to send representatives? Yeah. That's what makes a difference when people stand up and they see that there's oh you know more of a people complaining about the same thing and and you know trying to make a difference. They listen more to a larger group than a small group. If we all got to come together, they, that's the only way we can make a difference. Now, in terms of like telling a parent, you know giving a message to the parents that are out there dealing with the situation. Also what you've gone through in your personal life, you know, kids, kids that are, you know, are dealing with, with cancer right now. What would your message be to them as a person that has dealt with this on the front lines, hardcore? Um, I would say be strong. I know that I know personally offhand how hard it could be. I have days where they're great and I have days where I'm breaking down crying because so hard but as long as we keep pushing because we have a, a purpose and that purpose is our children and no one's going to take care of them better than us so we have to be strong and you know one day they're going to make us proud and it'll all be worth it in the long run so that first and everything else is going to happen and to the children you know in the hospitals right now dealing with cancer going through chemo things yeah. of that nature what would you tell them so be strong and always wear a smile find Find happiness and things that you enjoy doing and never give up. Uh, it's a beautiful message. And now it is time, Ms. to play Five Words with Angel. All right, today on Five Words with Angel, I'm going to give you a word slash phrase. You're going to tell me the first word that comes to your mouth. Miss Catherine Burgos, here we go. The first word is autism. Strong. The next word is children. Love. The next word is COVID-19. Over it. (laughs) (laughs) I know we're all how do you feel about the kids being sent, be, being sent back to school that are that in those COVID high COVID areas? Do you feel like that's, that's cool or not? That's very that's a horrible idea, and my son is not going to school anytime soon. They better come up with a new plan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I hear that. All right, the fourth word here on uh, slash phrase on five of uh, five words with Angel. We have the Bronx. Home. All right. <laughs> and the last word is a curveball. The last word on five words with Angel. And I know how much you rock with these cats. The New York Yankees. Oh, 
Oh man, that's what's up. That's what's up. Now, are there? Do you know of any uh, places that people can go to donate or whatnot? Um, to uh, or you know, or you do you have the address of the Board of Education that people could write to? You know about this situation for the people listening all over the world that you know are touched by your story and the things that you've been through. Um, I can I can find out the information through the PCA meeting. But offhand, okay. I don't have it available right now. Okay, yeah. no, I'll, I'll list it. What I'll do is, you know, when you get me that information, I'll list it, you know, the week uh, that, you're, that the podcast comes out so people can go and reach out to them. All right? Sounds good. Now, um, no, give my best to little Ray, cuz. Thank you, Miss Catherine Burgos, for joining us here on the Angel of Words podcast. We really appreciate your time. We really appreciate your story. And uh, everyone out there, like she said, be strong. Don't let no nobody tell you you can't do anything because at the end of the day, it's up to yourself. Will, look at this person right here. I remember her, you know, growing up, you know, you know, holding on, giving you hugs, making sure that you felt like you were a part of us you know what i mean when you didn't have any hair and you were going through all your tough situations in life and uh you know i remember visiting you all the time and just showing you mad love and you know that's my message out there to everyone man you know give each other love with love we conquer with love we take over with unity there's strength with with with, with, with division there's nothing you know yeah. And thank you so much, because I really appreciate you. I'm very proud of you, and I'm very proud of the work that you've done with Ray. And, uh, you know, I will be paying attention. And uh, you take care of yourself, okay? Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. You already know. Me too. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. I really hope you enjoyed the powerful messages given to us by the mother of an autistic child and cancer survivor, Miss Catherine Burgos. If you want to continue following the Angel of Words podcast, please click on that notification bell on YouTube. You know that you could also follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to know what I'm up to on my social media, please follow me at Angel of Words ENT. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Talk to you later.